0: Social geeks. It's another week, another episode of the Social Geeks podcast. I'm your host for the show, Yolanda Mobisela, and in today's show, I'll be talking to Rock Bunker. He went to the Central University of Technology to study information technology, but we're really going to unpack. His experience transitioning into the tech industry or the workplace from uh, the traditional, you know, tertiary institution, you know, how was the transition and his experience and really unpacking a lot of things, you know, that he had in mind, um, your expectations versus the reality when he got into the industry. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Social Geeks Podcast, another episode, another social geek and the geek community. So in today's show, I have Rock Bunker. Um he is a developer, a full-stake developer um, at Bright House, the division of Dimension Data. He's a gamer and analyst, mentor, and an aspiring president of the African Union. Welcome to the show, Rock.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's very
0: fun. Finally. Been
1: very fun. <laughs> finally. Yes. <laughs> I will very Detroit. It's very nice party, but yes, finally.
0: Yes. Um. So can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? You know, who's Rock and, and where did this tech thing you know come from where where did it begin
1: well rock so rock is my first name and i went what you call it now before like university with the name lionel so i grew up as lionel i was an ignorant little kid that enjoyed life and did whatever i wanted to do so like the what do you call this now, this one time my mother came home with a computer, I was like five years old, and it had games, so I enjoyed my life, played games for like, I think another five to six years, yeah, five to six years, that's all I did, I played games, and then grade seven, I went over to my cousin's house to play more games, so before I left, he showed me a whole application that he built. That was fun, and I asked him how he did it. He showed me, and ever since that day, all I've been doing is coding. So, like, from grade 8 to grade 12, I coded. I explored different fields from attempting to hack. Poor little kid needed Wi-Fi. So, tried to get that working out. At least I stayed near a place full of Wi-Fi. So, that was fun. Got to practice hacking, played around with trying to make games realized that was a team sport. High school me was not a team player so can't be making games. And finished off high school doing IT, we had IT Tried to prove to my parents that IT was something I can do because like they didn't believe at that time. It was like still a career that can be chosen. So like grade 10, 11 and 12 I did IT pretty much had to come in the top like three position every single year just to prove to my parents that I can do it. Then I chose to go to university at the Central University of Technology, did my diploma there, and then from there got a job, and pretty much that's my life to date. It's been interesting
0: that's pretty much interesting as well like i feel like it's it's interesting but however was you going to um the traditional university like central university of technology or university of technology was it your first choice like did you want to go there
1: no i didn't want to go to school i i had i originally thought i could go on thinking in my head I'm not going to school, I've sorted in life, I think at that time I found it about Mark Zuckerberg, and then did more research and found out that, again, it's, it's, it's a sad thing about living in South Africa, but like, found it about the whole, what do you call this now, industry overseas and how kids dropped out of university and pretty much built softwares and companies around it, and at that time I thought, hey, I could try that out, but... The first step was to convince my parents to first even do IT so that I couldn't convince them otherwise to not go to university. So ended up having to go to university. Tried weaving code, That didn't work out as well, so I ended up going full traditional.
0: Oh, Alright, that's that's pretty much interesting. To me, it sounds like you got into this tech thingy very early. It, it means that you in- in exposed. You were exposed to technology and you had people that had a positive influence into your life, you know, using technology. Um, can we thank your cousin for introducing you to, you know, applications and tech?
1: Yes, and only my cousin. Literally that. And only had. your cousin. I already had my cousin. Literally, if it wasn't for my cousin, I pretty much don't know what I would have been doing. Like, right now, because... I wasn't really interested in much growing up. So like the one thing that hooked me was programming. Everything else just seemed like honestly a waste of time. I didn't, I didn't see the point. And they didn't really do a very good effort in getting me into it. There was a time I liked physics. But that died off immediately the next year when that next teacher was just, I didn't. They just did a terrible job in part like to teaching me. So that was a sucky situation. So yes, my cousin and the few people on Google Plus when Google Plus is still alive that helped me in my coding journey. I don't think I had stack I didn't have Stack Overflow coding up. I am that old. All
0: right, that's pretty much like pretty much interesting. Um earlier on you mentioned that you went to the Central University of Technology and you studied information technology, right? How was the cost?
1: Uh, first year I got pissed off. I had business English. I had, I had a lot of things that I didn't want except programming. So it was, it was nice until I had to go to those other classes. And then those other classes were a bit nice. But overall, after the first year, the second year got a bit better. Personally, I didn't like the lecturers. They were annoying. And honestly, to be honest, when I got to university, it wasn't, I decided like one week after there I was at university, I was more going to work on my social skills than actually pay attention in class. So in terms of the course itself, it had everything required to pass and like, be a, a, a what you call this now, a professional developer in a sense. So, in the sense of making a professional developer, it did its job, it played its part. So, yeah, it was a good place.
0: All right. And, and how was the transition from like cutitious to the industry? Um, because, you know, usually I, I find it that whatever that we're doing at school, more especially in mm-hmm. my institution, Um, it's not really the things that I see developers do in the industry or when I attend Mm -hmm. your hackathons. So how is the the transition from, you know, the tissue institution to the industry from your experience?
1: Uh, It was, I think this is more because of the company I went to, the way they transition people from university into what do you call this now, into like their professional developing space. It's actually pretty nice. So first I went to a hackathon and then at the hackathon, that's where they selected people to like work for them. And from there we get positions into their graduate program. So our graduate program last year was pretty much do whatever you wanted to do. It's like you get there and your goal is to upskill. They give you all the resources. Access to like all the cloud infrastructures, mainly the ones they are partners with, and like access to any certificate you want to partake in. Pretty much, it's it's your playground. First year was you get there and have fun. You go wild, have some fun. That was first year, and then as the year progresses, they slowly start giving you more. Uh, what's this called now? Responsibilities, and. So the transition for me was pretty smooth because of how they went about transitioning into their company. It was like a, a smooth process. It's just like a the only catch with that is that by the time you get to second year, you get accustomed to their way they they, made, they, they ran the company in first so that once they throw you into a business unit as they call it, it's all the fun and games are gone and now you're out here, you need to now like deal with bugs and applications and everyone is serious and all the adults around you don't play games as much as you'd like them to play games and so in terms of like the culture of being an adult and the culture of how you're an adult in university is something that needs to like what was the only like problematic thing for me but overall, everything else was, was nice. And they, they, they try very hard to, like, socialize with you as uh, equal, as you could say. So it was a smooth transition.
0: That's very, that's very interesting. Um, so yeah. what are the things that you have learned at school and you're using them in the industry?
1: Okay. <laughs> uh Nothing.
0: Not even one Absolutely. module that you did at school that is helping okay. you somewhere in okay,
1: C sharp my software development class where we our main course was C sharp, so I could say that helped me technically. Yes, that everything else only
0: the, the C sharp module actually helped you in you know, in, in, in being in the industry or working your way around in the industry?
1: Yeah, and the industry specifically at my company was the C-sharp section because, like, the way I work, their main focus is the .NET. So at university, our main focus was also .NET. So that was the one thing I can say I still technically use. The only problem why I, I, I would say... I wouldn't have, I don't account for it. What do you call this now? And as a thing I I use, it's because like, I was working on a project towards the end of the year and I coded this backend, the exact same way I would have done it in university. And then they tested it and it wasn't running as well as it should have. And Then they asked, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. It works. Like, what are you complaining about? And then they explained the problem. And then I'm like, well, I'll go and check what's going on. So as I go back and I checked the code, I realized I had to change a few ways I wrote the code. And it turns out that the way I wrote code in university, the way I was taught and I was forced to write code in university, is not the exact same way I can write it in the industry. There's like newer ways to write the code. It needs to change. It needs to account for certain things. So in terms of knowing the language, the syntax and all of that, they helped with that. In terms of the process and actually how to code, yeah, no. they know. That, no. That, that did not come in handy from them. So yeah, but they taught me the syntax.
0: All right. Um, that's pretty much yeah. interesting. And it's, 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 a, it's an argument for another day. Um <laughs> <laughs> um what are the few things at least that you've learned um that that you've learned in the, in the industry and you were pretty much clueless about before you came into the industry
1: mm, the classic one is tax. I do not know anything about that that's the classic one uh but other than that it was how pretty much the googling honestly that one I was shocked about that you have to learn everything on the go like there's no standard thing there's like there's always something new to learn so there's there's, there's literally no time to be slacking so that was one of the things I didn't know at all the company I'd work at shocked me more in the sense of like the culture, so I had this perception that the industry is like this very serious place. Everybody's like suit and tie, and you get there, you're a drone, they tell you do this, you do it, you don't question them. So that was a, a shock for me, on top of as well as how the senior developers try their best to give you all the responsibility, and they only take blame when you don't. Like succeed at what they ask you to do, so I wasn't expecting as much responsibility as much seriousness in like the way they run tests on their code, the architectures, and that's more because i at the university I went to we didn't do um different types of um design patterns, so mm-hmm. that was another thing I really needed to like really speed up my understanding on was like the different types of design patterns for code and when to use them, how to use them. So, yeah, that was like the, one of the most major things for me going into the industry that I didn't know about and did not see that coming. So, yeah.
0: Um, like you touched on a very uh, important aspect of you had like your expectations and... And when you get into the industry, okay, reality, you know, I was Mm -hmm. expecting the industry to be or the companies to be, you know, those people that wear suits, um, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But how did you now adapt to the whole, you know, situation or the whole circumstance to say, okay, I'm here. It really is not as bad as I thought it was you know how did you yeah. really adapt to the whole culture and what did you learn from the whole process
1: uh the adapting i couldn't have done that alone without the company itself also being as friendly as they were like our managers are hr people they played a very big role in the whole adapting process and this new methodology that everyone is now picking up this scrum. Agile methodology that everyone is doing So that was Very helpful as well in like Picking things up and Progressing and understanding and Getting used to The changes and My expectations being like Stripped out and like Being shocked that There really is Something else here other than what everyone All the few people I've been surrounded by told me about programming in the industry and the professional workspace
0: alright and what do you think are the meat like I don't even know how to pronounce it, mm-hmm. that we that we have as students about the industry and that 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 they're not even true according to you since you've been in the industry
1: so <sighs> this is based of like the stories I heard and like my perspective on how it was molded. It was more of like, the industry is a place where you get there and there's no fun. You have no fun. You have a dull, boring life. Uh, there's no such thing as work-life balance. Pretty much, your freedom is gone, in a sense. And in the sense of the tech industry and the company where I work at, it's like, that is true at a very basic level. If you want to get very technical and very deep about this, do you still have your freedom? That's another topic for another day. But that was my perception of the industry. It was like, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to become a slave in a sense. I am not going to have a life. And that I was shocked by. So I don't know if that's the perception everyone has, but that was the perception that was put in my face
0: all right um interesting surely you really clarifying some of the things that we have in our minds about the industry and talking to somebody who has been there and is in the Mm -hmm. tech industry and understands that you know what uh whatever that they were talking about is really true you know um thanks for clarifying things for us but if you could tell sorry did you want to say something Okay. I wanted to say
1: Um, that's also accounting to the culture of the company. There might be other companies out there that do drive people into the crowd. The culture is very important. So it depends on the company. Yeah, the company's culture. Yes.
0: Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So if you could turn back the time or the clock and have the ability to introduce something into your previous school's curriculum what would you introduce I mean what what do you think students or the tech students should actually know you know or before they even get into the industry
1: I think the one thing I would have that would have been very helpful would have been a mentor from first year like a hands-on mentor and then keep and then having us play around with new technologies. That's another very crucial thing. It's 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 not going by the textbook. So it's it's literally yes, as an individual you can take your time and go and explore other technologies. That is cool. That is fine. But like at least if the university encouraged the whole playing around with new technologies, that would have been a very nice Course curriculum to have if, if it if it has if it has to be separate, and can't be integrated into the current development courses that we have, and like maybe the third thing I could say was, we have group assignment projects, and that's cool, but like from working in the industry, I feel like it's off a bit in the sense that even that isn't enough to prepare you for working in teams at at an industry it's like the second you get into the industry and like you have to work with other people there's like all these new things that just don't you just can't account for and like i think that would have been something that they could have also taken very seriously in university and personally i would also say get rid of all exams but that's cool or at least at least at least (laughs) At least um, get rid of the whole cheating scenario. One of the two. Get rid of one of either one. And honestly, if, once you get to the workplace, would be amazing.
0: <laughs> Do they even know that people are cheating? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I'm I'm serious. Do you want to say something you want to add on that? You can.
1: The cheating. Ah. Uh, yes. I don't know. It's 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 just dependent on the person. So like I've only cheated maybe once or twice in my whole entire life in terms of school. And that was cuz like I really needed to. But like for me personally, the hassle of having to cheat and then dealing with the consequences of the school is too much. So like for so people that are willing to always break the rules, they will always cheat and that's cool. Then there's some of us that just don't want to break the rules. And then there are others that listen to the rules and follow it. And honestly, this this the whole concept of cheating really holds you back once you get into the industry. And like literally everything that you would have gotten from cheating is, is what you use in the industry. Like, and I think it was third year. I just passed networking by 50%. I passed it by, there's the only reason I'm, I'm, cause networking I passed by 50%. But the only reason I passed it by 50% is because I'm sitting next to a person who was willing to show me the answers in the exams to write it out and pass the exam. That's the only reason I passed. That exact same way of work is what you do in the office. It's like when you're stuck on something, you shift over to the left you say, hey, hey, um, I'm stuck. Can you please help me? And they help you. At university, that's not the first thing at the top of your mind during an exam. None of you, you, you don't stop to ask for help. It takes away asking for help. And you really need that. And maybe the only time you ask for help is during assignments, but that's not enough. Because we have more t- uh, tests and exams than we have assignments. And, like, nobody's got time to ask for help. And... Me, I'm not out here trying to deal with the consequences of helping you during an exam or a test. So, yeah. That's something so that to be abolished.
0: So, so, you, so, yeah. you think, so you're saying that um, we, people shouldn't cheat, um, but rather ask how something is being done so that they can have a better understanding of that thing. Um, yeah, of that thing. Um, because if they don't ask and if they don't understand it they'll deal with the consequences of that in the industry am am I hearing you correct?
1: Yes, you need to like be able to ask and from the asking hopefully you ask someone that can explain it to you in a way that you come out of it knowing how to do it yourself in the near future them doing everything for you so yes
0: yeah I mean that's, that's very that's very interesting. Um, I hope the listeners that will be listening to this and that are students or aspiring techies, they'll uh-huh. actually learn from you and the consequences of your cheating, what it actually did to you. You get it. Um, we, we are learning every day. Um, but mm-hmm. asking for help is not really, like, I don't think you, you're dumb or something, but you yeah. don't really understand the concept, the way they're explaining it. And you need somebody, like a peer-to-peer kind of thing to explain it to you on a level that you can understand. I get you. Mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah. Um yes you're one of the people that wanted to learn through peer-to-peer learning. That's like within code. Oh, that's what that's what, and how they, they learn. But instead, you had to go through the tertiary um, institution, which is the Central University of Technology. Do you ever regret the decision of going that route?
1: In my overall life, no. In terms of technology and like... The, yeah, in terms of technology, I can see I would regret it, but I don't really like to say I have regrets. I don't really have any regrets. But in terms of the technology itself and, like, where in a sense, could be and what I could know would be different, then I would say would have probably taken into more consideration the university I chose for like dependent on where I wanted to be. But in <laughs> overall sense it was a great university and I got what I needed out of it.
0: Of which, of which you like of which you like when you when you're talking about that there's something at the back of the of my mind, what factors mm-hmm. do you consider when choosing a, an institution that you want to Further develop your skills into a tertiary institution, what factors do you actually consider? So, like, oh, did you what, consider?
1: Oh, for me, the first thing I did, so I slacked off in grade 11. I, I thank Zuma f- to this day for lowering the pass mark to 30%. So, I slacked off in grade 11, grade 10, I literally passed exams thirty percent. That was what was on my report card. Thirty percent. So I I don't know if someone told me or I was being me and I wasn't listening and when you apply for university you apply with degree eleven marks. That was a sad sad day. And like so I had only like thirty percent, forty percent on my report for maths and physics. And no university is gonna take me with that. Like the university the universities I knew at the top of my head, like the UPs, the University of, the ones in Joburgs and Cape, like the fancy ones that everyone knows. No, my marks weren't going to get me into that. So for me, because of how I went about everything, my first, my first was like, cool, who's going to accept me with these marks? So it then forced me to go and look deeper into like other universities out there and then... Universities of Technology started popping up. And then I realized that they didn't care about my marks, my math marks, started. they cared, but like, by the time I got to Great Hall, I boosted it enough that I could like, get in fairly easy into Universities of technologies. So for me, it was more of, do I have the marks? Awesome. Do they have IT? Cool. Is it far away from my parents? Yes. I'm going. That was how I chose. Is it
0: far from your parents? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, they pissed me
0: off. <laughs> um, so you, 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 you mentioned that your marks were not that good, right? And no. like listening to you, like you're thirty percent, forty percent. I mean yeah. those were not even gonna get you into the foundation or the introduction course at UP or UJ.
1: Nope. <laughs> wow. No, it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> I even I attempted for the fun of it, got rejected same time. I was like interesting. Okay, that's good to know. So yeah, it, it was uh, it was interesting to know just how serious marks were for universities. So yeah.
0: And and you boosting your marks in grade twelve was like reality starting to kick in.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had to I had to get serious with my life, in a sense, I had to like take these maths and physics in class serious, and there was no way my parents were going to let me do anything else. I could see that any other option that was going to arise from me saying well i can't go to university because i don't have good enough marks was not going to be an option i was going to like so that was the that was the best option to take so i took the option to improve my marks next if i had another if in the next life i will still do everything the same way just not make the decision make decisions on how i made decisions for the universities with, like, the same mindset and, like, the same anger, in a sense. And also, like, remembering, trying to remind myself that it's cool to take another year and improve your marks to where you need it to be to get it to go somewhere specific.
0: So, yeah. Oh, so you shouldn't really – so I was having a conversation with somebody – um, in, the, mm-hmm. in the past couple of days, and that person was like, um, I don't wanna lie, but I fell into IT. I actually wanted to be an engineer, and yeah. I saw that engineering, I'm not gonna reach the prerequisites, and, and the APS score was not really reaching it. So I just mm-hmm. fell into IT, and of which it wasn't something that she was really passionate about, you know? Um, is is you having a fallback course, um, can that actually have an impact in, in, in your passion or have an impact in the work that you do because you'll just be qualified uh, with a degree or a diploma or whatever qualification that you're having, uh, but at the end of the day you're not really passionate about that thing. You know, does that actually play a role?
1: I, I, I feel like it does and If you mean in the sense of like, IT was your fallback, I feel like that's what you do mean. That's what you mean, right? Like having IT as your fallback. Yeah, it's like like from going to university and like the majority of the people around me, IT was their fallback. They wanted to do other things. And this is just based off how I went to university and how everyone had their fallback as IT. It's, I could like say, some of them could push through because they had the grand vision that IT is going to get them the money. So that pushed them through towards the end of university, get their degree, and probably will continue pushing them into the industry and like getting the money that they wanted. Others, if it was for the education, they wouldn't really push as much. They wouldn't really. And 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 it's partially it partially they really can't much do much about it because it's like if the lecturers really can't bring that out of you because I personally feel like that wouldn't be an issue if the lecturers could pull out of you just how amazing it is just what you could do with it like no matter where you come from if if for just a moment you could just look at the code and like throw away all the stigma no matter if it's a fallback module you will thrive in it so it's like the lecturers really didn't do much to help they, the lecturers gave up on all these other students that it was their fallback and because the lecturer gave up on them they gave up on themselves and they were just going by so in the sense of like it will impact them it's like once it's time to find a job, I don't know how well that would go because it's like, you're not even really passionate about it. So I don't know if you want to continue continuing the torture into an industry. So I know it plays a big role, I would say, a very, very big role. So it, it's uh, yeah. hopefully throughout the journey, you end up loving it.
0: In my understanding, I feel like this is a whole topic on its own because I feel like it's broad, you know, um, yeah. like being tortured at the tertiary level. And now you have to now because, you now qualified, you know, you now have a degree mm-hmm. or qualification. Now you have to also go into the industry, you know, you know, very well, you hated um, writing code. You hated doing it. Somebody else was doing it for you. Or oh, you were trying, and now you're a developer, and now you have to fix bugs. Now it's like mm-hmm. it's a t- torture on its own, and it's like a, a topic on its own for another yeah. day because I feel like it's very broad.
1: Yeah, definitely yes.
0: All right, um, there has been an overrated debate around whether people should go through tertiary institutions to obtain their qualifications. Or mm-hmm. they should be self-taught um, developers or programmers or whatever. What's your take on that? You know, what do you feel people should actually do? Or comparing the two, what do you think is is working or it could work?
1: <laughs> you really shouldn't have asked me this question. Like, I have a, I have a a very, like, strong point of view on, like, this whole tertiary self-taught, et cetera, et cetera situation. So, like, I started off self-taught. That was my first route. And then, you could say I then started getting institutionalized in the whole thing by 10, 11, and 12, and then university. So, maybe, like, five, five, six years ago, when companies still cared about I don't know if they don't care about it anymore as much. They sort of still do. But like, actually no, even now they still do. Never mind. So like, if the goal is to get a job, like a proper decent job and not stress about having to like suck up to the HR people, I would say go there the, the, the route that gets you the degree at the end of it, that gets you this paper that everyone loves, you go that route. But if the goal is to learn it and then use it for something else, then be self-taught. You don't have to go the uh, tertiary route because like, anybody can learn how to code. Even anybody who learns how to code, yes, can get a job in the industry and still get the job done. But like the path that you want to take and just how smooth you want the road to be, I would say go tertiary route, get your job. Don't want the job. You just want to know how to code so that you can implement it in some other industry or wherever else you want to be, then self-teach yourself. Don't stress about the tertiary route. Cause like another thing, like from the earlier question you asked that I never actually brought up is like, When I left university, I thought I was done. I was done with like tests, exams. I thought I was done with all of it. I get to the industry, I get to where I work, and they have this thing called KPIs. At least they're not implementing them as much yet. But apparently to prove that you're improving, to show that you're excelling, growing, getting better at what you do, you need to get certificates. You need to go do all these other exams. I was like, no man, I just left writing exams. I just, I just left this and now you want me to come back and write these things again. So you're going to always write these exams, always. The institutions, they were there, they found it to make you write exams. So you wanna work, go to the institutional route. So yeah, that's, that, that's my take on that whole debate
0: all right um interesting insights um so you are a mentor to your colleagues like graduates right um -hmm. just to make sure i'm not right Mm -hmm. Mm yes so um how how
1: has
0: how has your experience in mentoring your mentees been it's been very fun the early on
1: i could say i was threatened and then like in the middle i was like i started realizing how much i learned that whole that whole old tale you learn from teaching others and then it it just became something that i actually really wanted to do because then i realized that I thought that there was so little to code. I didn't know there was so much to it, especially because like, when you get into it, you, 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 everything just goes aside. You don't, you don't notice anything else. You're just in the code. You're just doing it. You see the end product. You're sorted. And in the whole mentoring process, it was like, oh, is this and there's that. And they also helped me keep up to date with all the new technologies. So sometimes they'll come and ask help on something I've never seen in my whole entire life. And it's it's good to know that there are fundamentals in code that play a role in everything. It's like how they say master one language and you'll be able to like pretty much code in any other language. It's like that whole concept. So it's like every day they ask for help. I learned something new, honestly. So, yeah, that's been an interesting journey.
0: Um, and then why, why are you really doing it? You know, why are you mentoring um, your mentees?
1: So it started off with I didn't want to go into a business unit. I was like, I needed an excuse to... Not <laughs> work on billable stuff. I, I wanted to be able to say I'm not doing this because I'm mentoring the graduates. That's how it started off as. That was the original true intention. And then, as time went on, I realized just how pivotal mentoring them was, and like just just how important they are to the company, and just how much myself I would learn how to like speak to others and teach others and like communicate well with others because that's not really one of my best skills but like through the whole mentoring I improve a side of myself that I've never actually paid attention to growing up so yeah
0: I, I can't help it but but notice that over the past few months you've been doing you know other aspiring techies or students to actually grow you know um Uh is that coming from your whole experience of mentoring others
1: oh no that comes from not having it growing up i never had all of this this whole mentoring like everything that everyone has now i've never had it and like and like having somebody tell like someone give you their experience or like just inform you of what's out there never had that growing up so I just wanted to give others what I didn't have and it was like when I come now and I'm I'm here and I and I look back and I don't like looking back but when I look back the one thing I wish the most out of everything is if they were somebody and that could have just given me this information but like just just, just 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 like nudged me in certain areas like the critical things I never did. did you know I never pushed to github until last year? Yeah, I never pushed a code to github until last year. I've been coding since grade seven and I never pushed a code go- I never used source control until last year even university did not even bother to tell me about it but again that's probably just the university I went to but like I did not touch source control until last year. I, I I saw these things growing up. I saw GitHub. It was there in hindsight. I was like, oh, nice GitHub. I was always there because I always ended up there when I was looking for code. However, I never used it ever, never ever. If someone had just went, I'm like, do you see what you do? You understand? Like sometimes you have to take your like you have you have to take your own action and explore. That's cool. Sometimes when you're really young, you're just there for what you're there for. The whole exploring is like, the whole interface wasn't something that really enticed me to explore it. I got what I wanted and I was was sorted. So if there was just someone there to say, like, just push your code there, just like push your code there, you'll be cool. Like I registered an account, I think it was in 2011, I have a very old account on GitHub. I, I found that it's tied to one of my first emails There is no code in there, no code. I signed up, but I did not push a single line of code, nothing. And that was honestly, to this date, I feel like the one thing someone could have told me, just anybody, and there was no one to tell me. So just, there needs to be somebody. That's why pretty much trying to do all of those things I'm currently doing, all those initiatives.
0: I, I totally get it. So you you're the she you had.
1: Yes. That's, well, that's what I'm trying to get right. Yes.
0: All right. Um, that's very that's really kind of you to actually um, want to give guidance to aspiring techies and also help students, you know, because you are there in the industry now and you understand what they're really looking for and what they want. And we are just here in teaching institutions and just playing around. And you're not wrong. It's your institution. Uh, I think, but I don't think my institution as well doesn't really talk about GitHub and source codes and, and all of that, you know. We get to hear about those things and the events that we go to, to the people that we talk to, you know, they're exposing us to this whole... I think there's a very huge gap not really that huge but there's a gap between you know what we're learning in our tissue institutions and what's really there in the industry and you trying to do this whole initiatives and all these organizations that some of us are part of it's it's like them trying to bridge the gap that we have between our education system and also the industry per se and yeah i, I really commend you for that
1: thank you thank you very much
0: all right. Um. Now let's talk about let's talk about the course that you are creating at yes. Cloud Learning Management System or uh-huh. the digital technology.
1: Yes. Uh, that that also stems from the whole mentoring situation as well. So first, it was like, cool. I'm gonna do what everybody else is doing and pretty much create a whole. how do you call this now? the same old, same old, this is how you create a function in JavaScript or whatever language I choose, or how you create a web application, a web page, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it started off as. And then I realized that all that content's already out there. And again, the the, the the industry doesn't really care much, just cares that you can get things done. And unless you get into an industry that doesn't do all technologies, that has new technologies, then it's best to learn new technologies. So the whole digital technology literacy course is just based off the fundamentals, is taking the tech of today and bundling it up and teaching it in a way that everybody can understand. So it's, it's ironically not targeted to everyone that's currently in the industry. In my head, I'm going to say this very nicely, it's too late for them. They already, they're already there doing what they are doing and they're used to that and there's no distracting them from that way of going about things and that's cool. But this is for like everybody else, all the other people that do other things, all the people that are not going to come into the, the I work and sit down next to me and write thousands of lines of codes just to give the client what they want. No, this is for them so that in the next generation to come, everybody can build an application because it's been, I think it was like the first time this was said, I think it was like six years ago or seven or eight years ago where they said by 2020, everybody should be able to write a line of code. Now I'm saying by 2030, everyone should be able to make an application. Because like, if you are unable to make an application by 2030 by yourself, can't be going to hire a developer to make you an application. If you're still hiring a developer by 2030 to make you an application, you, you need to have a lot of money. Like the people that have a lot of money in this world, that's cool. And then there's the ones like us that don't have all that money yet. And by 2030, we can't be spending all that money on a developer to build us these applications. It's a very crucial need to be able to like make technology, specifically digital technology work to your benefit so that you can pretty much get all the, you can pretty much leverage it to its full potential. So the whole digital, it starts off by me taking other people's courses that they are online. So like the first module that I have there is from someone's channel, I reference the channel and everything and like just use their content there and then like, start off with that. And then for now, I'm just gonna find content where I get all the basics of code so that people can like, be able to, if they want, go deeper into a specific field if they're interested in it. But in the long run, the the whole goal is to be able to make them write one line of code, just as as user-friendly as the no-code movement right now, just feel like there needs to be an alternative and have them write one line of code and they have an application. Have them be able to put together a whole computer like a Raspberry Pi and get it to do their bidding. And yeah, it's it's on the basis of getting everybody else to use digital technology to its full potential.
0: I mean, I, I get you, but, but for some of us who are perplexed right now, um, can you kindly please explain to us what digital technology is
1: so digital technology is from moving from how do you say this I'm going to use the word nothing that's connected to electricity so moving from everything that's connected to electricity everything that has a power source and has like a screen and you can pretty much manipulate whatever's going on in the screen is digital technology so like The Raspberry Pi itself isn't really digital technology, but once you wrap it up and you bundle it with a bunch of everything, it becomes digital technology because then you would have a device with a screen that can run an application or has systems running on it that you can visually manipulate or use. So it's it's like for IoT, but like that user experience of IoT.
0: And and how is it different from technology?
1: So technology itself in a whole is the scientific application. It's, it's the application of scientific knowledge. So the pen, the mouse, the spoon, or well, everything else we have around us is technology. And and the only difference is that this is just a specific area in technology. It's not the whole of technology. Technology is a broader spectrum of everything that we use in this world.
0: I, I'm, I'm just confused as, as the listeners that will be listening to this. <laughs> a spoon, a technology, but you know what? There's an argument for another day, but a spoon... <laughs> A technology,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, it's
0: it's fun to know, (laughs) yeah. It's well, right, yes, it's fun to know. It's spooning technology, Mm. wow, okay, cool. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) well, like, wow, we learn every day, hey, we really learn Uh every day. Um, I mean, what, yeah, 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 I'm listening.
1: I'm just going to say, like, we can just look at technology as just the tools. There's a more another word we could use. I'm just saying it's tools. So, a spoon is a tool, it helps us eat our food, even though we don't really need it, but we made it to eat our food. So, yes, but you can continue.
0: All right, cool. Um, thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, what are you doing with student dev? Um, You in dev meetups you in dev what's your role there?
1: My role is more of a started off as me as a volunteer helping Camel like set up events to be able to like get other developers, pro developers as you call them, be able to like teach students and guide students and give students information that they would need in the industry. When they finally leave university. And like now, it's just more of like I'm investing more time and like being able to like help her structure the whole program, event, it's a, what do you call this now? Mm-hmm. Event going on. So my role is more of I like to say whatever she needs, I pretty much help with. So yeah. And and really yeah, yeah, and 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 what
0: do you what do you guys what do you guys do? I mean, what are you guys aiming to achieve with this whole initiative?
1: Oh. <laughs> the the aim is to get as many students as possible in one place. So, like, there are a lot of open source communities out there, but they're all very separate from each other, not really all working together. And like, want to create like a more unified, open source community for students so that they can work with each other, collaborate with each other, and be able to like grow within the community. And from it, hopefully the students come out of it, innovating and really doing amazing things.
0: That's very that's very interesting. It's a very um great initiative. I must commend you guys for doing that. Um, what legacy do you want to leave? Legacy. Oh my. Legacy. Legacy. Yes. Legacy.
1: Um. <laughs> so. As a, as a short backstory to this whole legacy of my, in grade, I think it was nine, ten, somewhere there. I only then started to realize the separation, the imbalance in the world, and like just how some people have, some people don't have. And ever since that day, I've been trying to like figure out how to get the others that don't have, to have. So the legacy I would like to leave leave behind is more of like a philosophy that enables people to be able to always have. It's to create this environment where you always have and you know how to get and you understand your value and that you deserve this. Like a person once said, and to this day it really hits me. It's like, it's your birthright to travel this world. And yet to go across the border, you need so much, like it's a disaster. So like the legacy I would just like to leave is just to be able to somebody say that, that dude right there made it possible that made me feel like I could do whatever I wanted to do and not hold back.
0: So, yeah. Alright. Very interesting. Behind. Um, so, what would be your advice to aspiring techies? <laughs>
1: uh, the industry is always changing. It's really changing. A lot. And Early on, try to find your footing. Find it as soon as possible and stick with it. And like, that's like the best thing I could give to aspiring tech. Is mostly the ones that want to enter industry. Or like, just to do anything with tech. It's, it's ever-changing. Find what you like. Stick with it. And from there, make it your own. Like, don't, don't, don't get wishy-washy by the whole tech moving so quickly. Like there's a whole joke that like JavaScript developers when they hear a new framework, there's this meme where there's like the gutter and then there's framework written there. So every time there's a new framework, a JavaScript developer jumps in there. And like the whole industry itself is like that. It's like there's always something new out there. So just find something, stick with it and you'll be good.
0: Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else, like any last words?
1: No, I don't have any last words. It's It was fun being here. I hope all the other developers out there get to enjoy it and like Code doesn't continue chowing, as I keep on seeing on the Twitter streets, as we call them. And a lot of people have said it, so I'll just add on to it and say it does get better. And one day to come to like be normal english to you or whatever your mother tongue is specifically it'll just flow with you so yeah no enjoy the code it
0: really it really it it really does get better i mean in the beginning you might have wrote spaghetti code but uh, as time went by and you keep on practicing um it really does get better you know um thank you very much for coming to the show it was very lovely having you here thank you very much for your informative conversation and your insights You know about your experience your knowledge and everything else uh, I'm, very, I'm very grateful for the fact that you honoured the invite
1: thank you for inviting me I mean, like I've been anxious the whole time and before so it was fun it would be very nice to listen to this again. Very fun. But just no, thank you for having me and
0: let's keep the conversation going on our social media pages about your transition to the industry. I mean, how was your experience? You can tag us at social Geek ZA on all social media pages and if you'd really like to connect to our guest for today's episode here is rock the thinker on twitter and rock banker on linkedin please leave a review on Apple podcast if you're listening from april podcast and leave a review about the show and about the podcast on our social media pages stay safe